Ladies and gentlemen, how are we? Welcome back to regular programming. Hope you've all been well and you're all having a nice day. Uh, it's very wet, isn't it? It's been raining for like three days straight. So hopefully everybody's staying safe and, you know, everyone's well. Thanks for tuning in and welcome to the latest episode of Griffin Talks Movies, episode 17. Uh, I'm sure you've all you all enjoyed my live Oscar nominations reaction episode, the last one that I did, and hopefully you had a bit of a laugh with it. Uh, speaking of which, they've actually since announced who's going to be hosting the Oscars this year. And let me tell you, don't get too excited because, in my opinion, it's shit. No disrespect to you if you like these people. But for me, Amy Schumer, Wanda Sykes, and Regina Hall uh, will be hosting as a trio this year, which I think is a terrible choice. Any of these three individually would have been cringe-inducing as it is, but all three together, talk about scraping the bottom of the barrel. It just goes to show how far the Oscars have fallen, where a ceremony once hosted by legends of the industry couldn't get anyone worth tuning in for. And really, it doesn't make sense to me, considering they wanted to garner a better audience than last year. As most people know, last year's Oscar ceremony was the lowest rating, uh, the lowest viewed rating in history. They've also controversially decided to not televise eight of the 23 categories nominated this year, a change that they tried to do in 2019, but was later scrapped because it was met with huge protest from not only the film industry insiders and filmmakers uh, and all that, but also fans of movies worldwide. So just another reason to prove why the Oscars have truly lost their magic and why the people in charge of making these, these decisions are brain-dead morons. The Academy Awards for Best Cinematography, Best Film Editing, Best Live Action Short, Best Documentary Short, Best Production Design, Best Makeup and Hairstyling, Best Sound, and Best Original Score will not be giving given the same treatment as every other category, robbing the people nominated of their chance of recognition from the world and the film industry. This actually disappoints me so much. Imagine working your ass off. You're nominated for an Academy Award. You're excited to attend the ceremony. And then you're cut from the televised ceremony. So, yeah, you'll get to be there, but you won't have your category on television like the others. Now, cinematography, editing, and the score of a film are the three major things that actually make a movie good, that are the difference between a movie being good and bad. So I think this is absolutely disgraceful. The Academy president, aka the most out-of-touch man in the entertainment industry, he came out and said, after carefully listening to feedback and suggestions from our film community, our network partner, and all those who love the Oscars, it was evident that we needed to make some decisions about the broadcast that are in the best interest of the future of our show and organization. Which, if you translate to what he's actually trying to say, means, hey, we aren't getting enough viewers on our show because no one cares anymore. So instead of doing what we should do and make the best show we possibly can for our built-in audience who have been watching the Oscars for decades, instead, we're going to make dumb changes in order to get people who never actually want to watch the show to watch the show, hoping that they watch because we have no idea on how to actually make intelligent decisions. Honestly, pathetic. I think The Power of the Dog will win Best Picture, but honestly... It saddens me to say this as a huge and loyal fan 
to the Oscars of many years, I literally have no desire to watch this year's ceremony because they're just not the same as they used to be. They're not they're not exciting. Uh, they should have got Jimmy Kimmel again and had all the nominees presented on live TV like they're supposed to and actually give a shit you know, about the people that have been watching for years and like watching and actually try to give a fuck. Not to mention half of the best films of the year aren't even nominated. So there we are. But that's enough of that. We're here to talk about the latest film I saw and I'm going to talk to you about it. And that is the long delayed and almost not released The Death on the Nile. The sequel to 2017's Murder on the Orient Express, Kenneth Branagh returns as both director and central protagonist, Hercule Poirot. It's a tough name to pronounce, but I'm pretty sure it's Hercule Poirot, the self-proclaimed greatest detective in the world who now must solve a mysterious murder aboard a steamboat on the Nile River in Egypt. Based on the 1937 novel of the same name by Agatha Christie and featuring Tom Bateman as the only other actor alongside Branagh, To reprise his role from the 2017 film, this sequel features an ensemble cast of recognisable stars, Gal Gadot, Army Hammer, Lynette Benning, Emma Mackey, Russell Brand, Dawn French, Jennifer Saunders, Letitia Wright and Sophie Okenendo. Now this is the third adaptation of the novel following the 1978 feature film of the same name and an episode of the television series Agatha Christie's Perot. This film was shot and completed in 2019, but has only just come out in the last couple of weeks due to the COVID-19 pandemic and also the controversy starring actor Army Hammer, who has since been cancelled. Surprised they didn't cut him out of the film altogether and replace him with another actor like they have done uh, previously, most notably with Kevin Spacey in the 2017 film All the Money in the World. So after all the delay and almost five years since the last film is The Death on the Nile, a film which had next to no promotional advertising or cast interviews whatsoever, was it worth the wait? It's an entertaining movie, but it's also not a movie you need to rush to see. A film you'll likely forget about after a few days. I thought the first one, Murder on the Orient Express, was a much better and less predictable film. But having said that, it's still a treat to see Brenner do his thing, going full detective mode as he tries to solve the case. The worst thing about this film is that it's too predictable. I guessed who the killer was within seconds of them appearing on screen. And while the end reveal is clever, it's not surprising. Uh, whodunit movies have made a resurgence of late, uh, most notably with films like Knives Out, even this year's new Scream movie. We're, we're done better than this one, I think. It's got a likable cast, and despite what's happening with Army Hammer in the real world, he's actually quite good in this, and I really enjoyed his role and his performance. And Sex Education's Emma Mackey is very good in this, and it's good to see her getting work. Even Gal Gadot, who's been very wooden in all of her recent movies, was actually quite good in this. I'm definitely keen to see more films uh, with Kenneth Branagh as Perot, as he's the best thing about these two movies. Easily the best character. Tom Bateman is good as Book, returning from the previous film uh, as the same character, but utilized in a different way. The one thing the previous film had going for it that this one doesn't, unfortunately, is that all the action and the entire film is set in one place, set on the train, uh, making it more of an atmospheric, sort of a, you know, atmospheric, interesting 
claustrophobic type of film that I feel made for a better story with all the characters who are suspects in the murder that are stuck on the train together and they're locked in the cabins and whatnot. Uh, it's essentially the same thing in this one, but unfortunately they're not on the boat for the whole movie and it actually takes a good hour for the murder to actually happen. So you're like, when is this going to happen? Where in the other film, it happened rather early on. Every character in this has their own motive as to why and how they could be the killer, which does work well in the story. And it's actually great to see the origin story of how Perot got his iconic moustache, which was a nice surprise. I wasn't expecting that. A lot of the film uh, looks nice. The uh, like the cinematography is quite well done, especially the boat scenes. Everything looks quite dazzling and nice. Unfortunately, though, there are a number of scenes, probably more than six, where the background looks terrible. You can tell that they've used you know, fake green screen to try and recreate Egypt. And it looks very, very wonky, uh, incredibly wonky with some truly bad green screen work that is probably the worst I've seen in any film before. Definitely up there. Uh, they're supposed to be in Egypt. Obviously, they couldn't film in Egypt. So there's certain scenes where, you know, the characters have the pyramids behind them and you can just like tell. It looks like you can tell that the background isn't real. It's it's terrible, uh, to be honest. It looks almost as bad as a filter on a Zoom call. No exaggeration. I guess they couldn't film on location, but come on, guys. Can you make it look a little bit more believable, please? Like, some of it's quite good. Most of the like the actual things that they shot looks great, but everything, it's just very jarring because it's obviously fake as fuck, and you can tell. Um, yeah, it's obvious that Branagh has an affection for Agatha Christie's work, and I did like the old-fashioned nature of this film, with the music, the clothing, the settings, the things people eating and drinking, very era-accurate, uh, and that was enjoyable part of it. I'm sure they'll make more of these films as it seems to actually be doing well. But as I said, this isn't a must-see movie, like, at all. It does make for a good movie if you're interested in just, you know, wasting a couple of hours to get entertained, you know, but... Aside from that, it's really not as good as the first one, and it's kind of just, it is too predictable, I thought. I do really enjoy Brenner as this character, though, and he is quite impressive in the role with the accent very, very well down pat. Uh, he commands respect from his fellow actors as the lead character in this film and his certain charming qualities that he possesses, and I do think it's impressive that he was able to direct this film and also star as the lead character, which he did in the previous film as well, but I just that's impressive to me. This movie certainly feels a lot longer than it needs to be. It's two hours and seven minutes, but it feels like two hours and 40 minutes. There is a neat twist towards the end, and a few things happen that will keep you entertained, keep you on your toes. And Brenner does a great job directing uh, the tension and like the characters, you know, all their motives, and every time they're getting interviewed, uh, he interviews all the characters. I don't know if that's a spoiler or not, uh, probably, but I mean, the book came out over 70 years ago anyway um so i didn't love it but it's certainly not bad it's not a great movie but it's a fine serviceable film with some neat ideas and some interesting characters which are reminiscent of british murder mysteries that you'd find on telly check it out if you like the first one it's not as good as the first one as i said the first one was more entertaining it was more atmospheric it was on a train this one's on a boat it's kind of like you know liam neeson does movies where all his movies, he just changes jobs or whatever. This is like the same movie, but it's on a boat, but it's not as good. You know what I mean? It's like The Hangover 2. They just changed the location. 
which is like another murder. It's you know, it's hard to believe that like, this guy's like just he's on vacation at the start of the movie, and then he just runs into these people and they're like, "Hey, we need your help solve a murder." He's like, "Oh, I am the best detective in the world. I will solve this mystery for you." That's a terrible impression, but yeah, it's not great, but it's not terrible. It's still enjoyable. It's just not. It's nothing you need to rush out and see. Save it for a rainy day, which it is, you know, a rainy day today. But yeah, if you're going to spend hard-earned cash on a movie, you'd want it to be worth your time. And this one, I wouldn't say it's not worth your time, but like I said, it's forgettable. So, I mean, I saw it two weeks ago and I completely forgot I saw it until I was like, oh, better. what have I seen or do a review on it? So yeah, that's enough of that for that one. So yeah, death on the, the death on the Nile. Is it death? Is it the death on the Nile or just death on the Nile? I think it's just death on the Nile. There's no the. It's just death on the Nile. Anyway, people are coming in. Uh, uh, people are watching it. And they're like, oh, murder on the Nile. No, it's death on the Nile. But anyway, yeah, check it out if you want. It's not too bad. But it's not great. But anyway, that's enough of that. So Ivan Reitman passed away the other week. Uh, great filmmaker behind the original Ghostbusters film. Also, the Arnold Schwarzenegger, Danny DeVito film, Twins, and many other films that people loved. It's good that he got to see his son's um, film, Ghostbusters Afterlife, before he passed away. That would have been nice. But still, it's sad, nonetheless. So I just wanted to say that. Rest in peace to a legend of cinema. And um, if you haven't seen Ghostbusters Afterlife, it's quite a good, it's a tribute. It's a nice It's a nice film. I recommend checking it out. I don't know if it's in cinemas anymore, but it, it'll be out on DVD and Blu-ray, and it's probably on... Telstra TV and all that sort of thing. So keep an eye out for it. And if you're keen to watch it, watch it. It's good. So a few trailers have dropped for films that are coming out this year that look quite exciting. First one I want to talk about is Nope, N-O-P-E, the new Jordan Peele film. Looks very good. It's a very simplistic trailer. doesn't give anything away. gets you interested, gets you hooked. You look at it, you're like, wow, I don't need to see what this movie is because it looks insane. It looks mysterious. looks crazy, insane. I can't wait for that. Uh, I love Get Out. That was my favorite film of 2017, a movie that if you have not seen, you need to see immediately. Everybody needs to see that movie in their life before they die. Uh, anyway, 2019, he did a movie called Us, which was also very good. Keen to see what Peel does for his third outing. It looks insane. It's got. It looks like it's got aliens in it. It's very, very creepy, mysterious. It's going to be great, I think. Uh, people think that NOPE actually stands for Not of Planet Earth, which if that's true. That's a cool title. And yeah, I just can't wait to see this movie. Jordan Peele doesn't disappoint. And it's been three years since us. So I'm keen to see what he's cooked up for us. We also had the new trailer for Jurassic World Dominion, which gave us the money shot of original stars, Sam Neill, Laura Dern and Jeff Goldblum all back together on the big screen, 29 years after the original Jurassic Park, a trio that I never thought I would see on screen again. I'll tell you that much. Uh, Jeff Goldblum was in the last movie, briefly. Uh, I want this film to be good, so good. We need it to be good. I would love it to be good, and I hope that these three significant actors from the original film have good screen time together, you know, and it's not just a glorified cameo. The last Jurassic World movie came out in 2018, and I did not like it whatsoever. I went to the premiere of that movie about two weeks before it actually came out, and I was expected to do a positive review on that movie and I had to I think I emailed the editor I was like look this movie's not great and they only wanted positive 
reviews at the time. Otherwise, they couldn't put it out. So I just, I basically just came up with a whole bunch of shit that wasn't actually true. And I think I spent about two paragraphs just describing all the types of different dinosaurs were in the movie because I couldn't talk about anything else. That movie sucked. Sorry if you like Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom, but it fucking sucked. It was not good at all. It was so shit. And 2015's Jurassic World was a fine movie, but it was nothing great. Uh, it was good to reboot the franchise. So this one's obviously got Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard back again. I really hope this new one rocks and it ties up the franchise well. They've built it as the epic conclusion of the Jurassic era. So if this really is the last one, please, for the love of God, make it good. There's no point doing another Jurassic Park movie. It's just going to be as shit as the last one. And if it is shit, it's going to be disappointed because you got the great Sam Neill from New Zealand, the great actor, great man, love him. So hopefully he's got a good role in this as Alan, and uh, it's a good movie, and it'd be good to see him and Goldblum and Dern back together doing some cool shit and running away from dinosaurs. Can't wait. It'll be good. So The Batman is less than a week away from release, and I'm officially excited. The hype train has well and truly left the station, ladies and gentlemen. The Batman is everywhere. From burgers at Grilled, it's on billboards all over the city. It's on buses. The entire bus is covered in the, like the poster for Batman. You can buy Batman Oreos at the supermarket. It's actually very exciting that we are days away from a new Batman movie. It's been 10 years since we had a Batman movie. And I know what you're thinking. We had you know Ben Affleck as Batman and Batman vs. Superman, Suicide Squad, Justice League. But those were not Batman movies. He was just in them. This is the first Batman movie since 2012, The Dark Knight Rises, and I am pumped. As anyone who knows me knows, I'm a big Batman fan. Obviously, I love the Christopher Nolan, Christian Bale trilogy the most, but I cannot wait for this film. The fact that Matt Reeves is directing this, the guy who directed the great Planet of the Apes trilogy, 2011, 2014, and 2017. Uh, it's got Paul Dano, Colin Farrell, and Zoe Kravitz, all terrific actors, who are portraying new and interesting versions of iconic Batman villains in The Riddler, The Penguin, and Catwoman. We've got Jeffrey Wright, another phenomenal actor, as Jim Gordon. We've got Andy Serkis, the man everyone knows as Gollum from Lord of the Rings. He is Alfred. And this film is set a year into Batman's crime-fighting career. The Batmobile looks sick. It looks more realistic. It's supposed to be a film that does something that none of the other Batman films have ever done and showcases the ability... Uh, of the great detective that Batman is. And apparently it's a more of a movie that's akin to Zodiac, the Zodiac killer, also the movie, in the fact that the Riddler is a serial killer who sends clues and riddles to the police department and then Batman gets involved. Now, I truly think this film will be great and I cannot wait to see Robert Pattinson finally don the cape and cowl as the latest version of the caped crusader. Now, this guy is a terrific actor, make no mistake, and I cannot wait for him to prove everyone wrong who said he was a bad choice to play Batman. Now, admittedly, when he was first announced as Batman, I was like, oh, what? Really? That's a bit weird. I was expecting, you know, maybe like a Carl Urban type or something like that. But the, rea the reality is Robert Pattinson has been killing it for years in so many interesting and incredible films. Good Time, The Lighthouse, Tenet, just to name a few of my favorites. When I first saw Tenet, I was like, holy fuck, Robert Pattinson is going to make an incredible Bruce Wayne. He sold me on him as Bruce Wayne in that scene in Tenet where he's walking through with John David Washington and showing all the artwork, and he's got a very nice suit on, and he looks very good. He's got that chiseled jawline, 
The bat suit looks great, guys, in this movie. It's different to what we've ever seen before. Apparently, the bat symbol there's, uh, you can like takes a knife off the chest and you can use that as a weapon. I don't know if that's actually, but that's a theory that that's in the movie. So I think that people who judge Robert Pattinson on Twilight and Twilight alone need to wake up to themselves. Obviously, the guy's done so many more movies than Twilight, and he did those movies for a paycheck. And you know, he he is being quite forthright about the fact that he made those movies just to get money and he hates them he's actually made there's videos on youtube if you want to check them out where he just talks shit about twilight for like 10 minutes straight and it's actually quite hilarious so but i reckon this guy's going to be a great batman um christian bale is my favorite batman obviously i'm interested to see if robert pattinson can be just as good or even better and i'm keen to see whether this movie the batman is just as good as the dark knight uh batman begins the dark knight rises my three favorite batman movies um it'd be interesting to see but yeah the point is i think this movie and i hope this movie will be great and i'm definitely definitely excited and you can bet the house that there will be a podcast coming out about that film i can't wait to see it me and my mates we talk about it we're gonna go check it out next week when it comes out can't wait hopefully it's just as good as it looks i'm thinking it will be and they say you know this could be the start of a new trilogy which will be interesting. Obviously, this is like the new Batman movie. This was originally this project started as the as a Ben Affleck solo Batman movie, and he was going to direct it and star in it. And then he he left the movie, but then they got Matt Reeves, and it was still a Ben Affleck movie, but Matt Reeves was going to direct it. And then it fell apart. And now Ben Affleck isn't Batman anymore, but now he is. It's confusing because this movie is the Batman, right? It's like a new, it's a reboot of Batman. Obviously, Robert Pattinson will be what is he? It was. Michael Keaton, Val Kilmer, George Clooney, Christian Bale, Ben Affleck, Robert Pattinson. He'll be the sixth actor to play Batman on screen. Uh, if you don't count Will Arnett as like a Batman or Adam West. Uh, so yeah, he's taken on the role. So this one, yeah. So there's going to be later on in this year. There's going to be the Flash movie, which has the Flash from the DCEU Justice League continuity of movies. But Michael Keaton's Batman and Ben Affleck's Batman are both in that movie. So we're going to have three versions of Batman on screen this year. But this new one, the Robert Pattinson one, is separate from the DCEU. So it's the Superman and Wonder Woman and Aquaman and all that. It's completely different. It's just a new Batman uh, single movie that's not connected to any other universe. And I'm excited to see it. And I think it's going to be great. Let's hope it is. Let's all cross our fingers that the Batman will be great. But I think it has to be. Robert Pattinson's a great actor. Christopher Nolan and Christian Bale both come out and said that they can't wait to see this movie and they're excited to, to see what Matt Reeves and Robert Pattinson do with the role. Christian Bale said he was a fascinating actor and he's a great choice. And he also mentioned that when Heath Ledger was cast as the Joker, everybody was online going, oh, he's a terrible choice. He played a gay cowboy, oh, blah, 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 blah. He's a terrible. And then look, look what happened. Heath Ledger, arguably the best portrayal by an actor on screen ever. He Honestly, great performance as a Joker. Definitely the best comic book performance of all time. So, yeah, the Batman, can't wait. It's going to be great. I'm going to definitely see that. But I don't think I'm going to see Uncharted, though. That movie looks shit, doesn't it? Uh, I don't know if I can bother wasting two hours of my time to watch a video game movie of a video game series I never played that has less than 40% on Rotten Tomatoes currently. But, you know, maybe we'll see. Maybe if I'm bored, I'll go check it out just to talk to you guys about it. 
But I know some people who have seen it and they've said it's not bad. And I know other people that have seen it and said it's shit and it's boring. Honestly, Tom Holland, really, I don't love Tom Holland. He's he's good as Peter Parker as Spider-Man, but everything else he's tried to do has been crap. And I honestly think he's gotten a bit too big for his boots, the way he carries himself in interviews and stuff. And I'm just sick of seeing him everywhere. Mark Wahlberg's a good actor, but he hasn't done a great performance in years. Uh, I miss the days where Mark Wahlberg was in Boogie Nights and The Departed, where he actually gave a fuck. Now he basically just does what Dwayne Johnson does and just plays a different version of the same character in every film. But, you know, they're two likable stars. I can see why people are watching it. But anyway, yeah. So do see Death on the Nile if you want to check it out. Definitely see the Batman when that's out next week. Can't wait for that. And maybe if you've seen Uncharted and you think it's any good, let me know because then maybe I'll go watch it. But other than that, that's it. Thanks for listening to episode 17, and I'll catch you next time, guys. See you later.